How many of you have ever heard of the Japanese art form called kintsugi? Okay, got a few of you. So we brought an example with us this morning. And you got the picture up there so you can see it better. But you can see clearly that this vase had been broken. And actually Titus, our son, the, uh, he's the one who worked on this uh, example. When, he, when it was time to put it back together, he used gold-colored epoxy to put all the pieces back together. And I love this form of art because the value behind it says that when something is broken or damaged doesn't mean that you toss it aside. It means that actually, because the story is more visible, it is actually more beautiful now than it was before. And so instead of trying to hide the cracks, the flaws are highlighted. I want you to keep this visual in mind as we jump into the next step in being a disciple in this series. Uh, we're talking about prayer this morning. So to start our sermon, we're actually going to do a copy and paste from Jeff's sermon from last week. Uh, he was engaging us on our relationship with the Word of God. And last week he said, if when we are reading the Word of God, we are not wrestling with it. We're not struggling with it. We don't have questions and maybe even doubts. If that stuff's not happening, then we are not actually reading the Word of God. We have only been pretending to read the Word of God. We want to say the same is true about prayer. If in our prayer lives we have not been wrestling, if we have not had questions and even doubts about what God is doing, we have never really been praying. We have only been pretending to pray. So this morning, we're not laying out a how-to for your prayer life, how to have a better prayer life. Instead, every scripture that we dig into together, every story that we share, is intended to spark a renewal of desire for each of us in our prayer with our Father. And let me say, the best part of this sermon is going to be the discussion afterwards, when everybody upstairs in Bible class gets to share some of your own stories because I know this is a praying church, and in this room we have intercessors who believe the future into being. And we also have some who come with seemingly unanswered prayers. And there may be some today whose prayers are full of victory and praise, and others for whom it just looks like tears. Dr. Thema Bryant said, tears are the prayers we do not have words for yet. And some of those prayers come easy. But as we saw in Psalm 80, on the days when you need to pray, how long, Lord? or complain that you're drinking tears by the bowlful. God is not just okay with this. He has given us the words in scripture to throw back at him as needed. So as we think about prayer this morning, let's not think of it as a discipline, something that we have to muster within ourselves in order to somehow get closer to the Lord. This morning, we wanna look at prayer as a gift that we have from God. And we're gonna look at it in three different areas. So the first of those is the gift of surprise in prayer. And I have two uh, stories in the scripture that we're gonna look at. The first one is Joshua chapter 10. And you know the story, you've heard it in Sunday school, where the Israelites are fighting against their enemy and Joshua gets up and he's, and, 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 he, and he says this, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. I mean, that, is an, that takes a lot of audacity to pray a prayer like that. 
but we know how God answered it and that God had just as much audacity because the next slide shows us. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. And can you imagine God answering a prayer like that? But then we see in the book of Acts, chapter 12, uh, the church is really under, in some hard times right now. Peter has been thrown in prison. And we see in verse 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now I'm going to skip a chunk of the story. And I would love for you this afternoon, before you start making your bean dip and your nachos for the game, okay, pull up this story and read it. Because it's, it's astonishing how God just broke Peter out of jail. Peter didn't even believe what was happening, you know, at the time either. But then it's so funny because we skip down to verse 16. Because uh, after Peter's out of jail, he goes to the house where he knows the people are praying. And he's knocking on the door. They're so surprised they don't let him in right away. So now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And so it is clear that this group of people were surprised by the way that God showed up in their prayers. I had a surprise in prayer years ago when I was a young mom in Kentucky and I wanted to start the Advent tradition with my little kids, but I didn't have any candles. And it was Saturday night, Amazon could not in those days swoop in overnight and save the day with the package on the porch, so I needed to get to the store, but I knew I wouldn't have time. So I prayed a little prayer that was like, God, if you will give me a candle to start this thing tomorrow, I'll get my act together by next week. And I don't know what I thought God was gonna do, but I was not expecting to walk into church the next morning and a girl from the youth group handed me two beautiful beeswax candles. And the story was her mom had been cleaning the house the night before. She'd come across the candles, thought of me, put them in the purse and brought them to church. Very simple, but my jaw was on the floor and it was no longer about the candles. It was no longer about the advent. I wanted to know who is this God who took my prayer more seriously than I did. And I started pursuing God in a new way because he got my attention. But it wasn't just me. My friend Janice was asking, who is this God that turned cleaning my junk drawer into a holy moment? And so together, we were pursuing God because of this prayer. And the, the, the point I want to make is that prayer isn't just vertical between one person and their relationship with God. There's also a horizontal aspect for me, for uh, Joshua, and then also for Peter, we saw that the prayers of, the, of one person became a communal experience with a horizontal relationship building up the people of God. So let's ask ourselves, if we're going to look for surprises in prayer, uh, what would be the opposite of surprises in prayer? It would be predictability, right? It would be formulaic prayer. And I know many of you are as guilty as I am of having those times in your prayer life where you just kind of come back and you're saying the same things over and over and over again to God. And at best, it becomes just very boring prayers. At worst, we kind of turn God into a vending machine. And, you know, what that does in our prayer life when we, when we keep going back to those just repetitive prayers is that it hinders us bringing all of our honesty to God in prayer. How many of you have ever just started a prayer with just telling God how you're feeling right in that moment? Just a statement. 
or put out an open-ended question for God that he can just do whatever he wants with. And it, those formulaic prayers also hinder our expectancy for what God might do with it. I mean, can you imagine in our relationships if we just spent 80% of the time just throwing back the same phrases to, back and forth to each other? Our relationships would be pretty stale. But Richard Beck puts it in a very beautiful way. He said, life with God is not a test, but it's a love affair. And another surprise in this life with God is how comfortable he is with silence. Of course, with our own, when we quiet our inner and our outer lives is when we can hear the music in heaven. But we have a God who's very comfortable with his own silence. I think of the prayer, I mean, the pr promise he made to Abraham and then he waited a decade to fulfill it. Or the promise he made of a Messiah to the Israelites. And then there were 400 years of silence. Sometimes living with a God who is comfortable with silence can feel painful to us. And this pain is actually the next gift that we see in prayer. I don't know, you're scratching your head being like, how can pain be a gift? But if we're going to be comfortable with God showing up and surprising us, we also have to be okay with, 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 God showing, with God's responses being something that we are not okay with. We have to wrestle with that. This is very fresh for us, uh, for our family. Uh, on Tuesday, we lost a dear brother uh, in Christ uh, to a battle in cancer. And we're still wrestling with that because God did not answer the prayers the way we wanted him to answer them. I'm going to share a story from when we were on the mission field. This story happened uh, after we had been living in West Africa for about two years. It had been a pretty stable country, and, and everything changed in a moment when a terrorist attack happened in the capital. And in this attack, 28 people were killed. There was one American that was killed, and it happened to be our teammate on our, on our mission team. So as you can imagine, we were, we were just devastated by this. And in the days after that attack, I just find myself grappling and searching for something I can hang on to, some sort of comfort, something that would make sense of what was what to me so senseless. And I, I'm going through the word and I'm looking and I happened to land on Psalm 94. It was not what I was looking for. And as I started reading these words, tears started falling down my face as this scripture became a prayer for me. O oh Lord, the God of vengeance, O oh God of vengeance, let your glorious justice shine forth. Arise, O oh judge of the earth, and give the proud what they deserve. How long, O oh Lord, how long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? How long will they speak with arrogance? And how long will these evil people boast? They crush your people, Lord. Hurting those that you claim is your own. They kill widows and foreigners and murder orphans. The Lord isn't looking, they say. And besides, the God of Israel doesn't care. And finding that and using that verse as a prayer, it brought a lot of relief in that moment. Like, like a relief valve and it just let a lot of pressure out. But then I still got to the end of that and wondered, is that okay? Can I pray like that against my enemies? Because I know for a fact Jesus called me to love my enemies. In his book, Open and Unafraid, David Taylor writes this. 
It's important to stress that praying against one's enemies is not a matter of mere venting or throwing a tantrum. Praying these prayers is a matter of honestly naming our experience of enemies, the rage, the sorrow, the feeling of utter helplessness, the acute sense of injustice, the irrationality of it all, in order to entrust one's enemies to God. And prayers like this, we name our enemies and we love them. We expose them and we release them. We rebuke them and we serve them. It's a twofold act that only the Spirit of God can make possible in our lives, lest we become foolish or lest we succumb to despair. And I can tell you that for me personally, it was finding that freedom to have released my anger in prayer to, to God that then later uh, enabled me, enabled God to help me forgive those terrorists who had killed our teammate. So we know that if we can take emotions of that magnitude to God, we know that we can be completely honest with him. We know that we are known and we are safe with him and we know that he is with us. And so in that, we know that we can accept this third area that we're going to talk about, and this is prayer as a gift of formation. And it's in the safe place of prayer that God shapes us. Brother Lawrence, back in the 1600s, he said that he came to prayer as a stone before a carver for whatever God would do with him. In our early years, on the far side of Timbuktu, we had to thinkingly learn how to live without a grocery store, hours from medical care, and surrounded by a language and culture that we've come to love, but we did not yet know. One day I prayed, God, I cannot do this anymore, and I meant it. When Philip came home a few hours later, he was carrying a package that had arrived from the States. Before we even opened it or knew what was in it, I was crying, because to receive a package was very rare. It would take months to come over the ocean, and sometimes they never found us at all. And this one had chicken feathers stuck to the outside. It didn't matter what was in it. The package meant that I was not alone. He saw my tears, he heard my prayer, and I whispered, okay, I'll stay one more day. And that one more day turned into years, during which the unknown became home, and, a people who had, who, and these people became our heroes in prayer, as we witnessed a lifestyle of dependence on God. When the believers there pray for provision, there is no care package coming. Their hope is in God alone, and he hears them. Sometimes the Lord does this. He swoops in with like a care package, this extraordinary measure to show his care. And there are other times I have prayed for relief, and he has said, no, child, this is where you die to yourself, because following me is costly. We don't get to decide how he goes about shaping us into the image of his son. Corey Ten Boom said it like this, it is not our task to give God instructions. We simply report for duty. So in your moments of prayer or in reporting for duty, I want you to have this image in mind. It's coming. There it is. Okay, so what you see on the screen, way up at the tippy top is our son Daniel on a rock wall. He's in a blue shirt way up there. And if you don't know our son Daniel, it's important to note that Daniel cannot see. 
So in order for Daniel to get to the top of the rock wall, he was listening to Philip, who's down below calling, move your right foot a little more, to, you know, a little farther, and take your left arm out. And little by little, he made it to the top of that rock wall. What you can't see in this picture is that the music was blaring. There are other people having their own conversations, and eventually a crowd was forming. So Daniel had to pick Philip's voice out over all those distractions. And watching Daniel with tears in my eyes as he conquered that rock wall over and over, I realized this didn't happen because Daniel walked up to a rock wall one day. This happened because of a thousand seemingly insignificant moments where he learned to trust his father's voice. All the times over the years that Philip had given him an instruction and he had obeyed and he had learned it safe to do what his dad says. When we think of prayer, Will you give God a thousand seemingly insignificant moments of listening and trusting and obeying? Because my hope for you is that you will learn our Father's voice so that on the day when the distractions are loud and the stakes are high, you can walk up to whatever the rock wall is in your life, pick his voice out over the crowd, and listen, trust, and obey your way through it. So this is what we want to leave you, this is what we want you to take away with this morning. On the next slide, it says that there is nothing God won't hear from you. We want all of us to have confidence and boldness in that. There's nothing God won't hear from you that actually the worst thing for him is to not hear from you at all. And think about this broken vase again that's been put back together. Our goal is that individually and collectively that we would have boldness to bring the broken pieces of our stories, the broken pieces of our faith to God and that we would have confidence that he will take those pieces and form them together and that we would be surprised by him in prayer and that by bringing healing to these scars that he, he won't hide them. In fact, that he will redeem them in a way that brings a beauty that impacts us and impacts those around us. I want to quote again from the book, Open and Unafraid. This is a call to a prayer life as prayed in the Psalms so that we would find a way to pray angry prayers without being overcome by our anger and how to curse in context, how to hate without sinning, how to cuss without cussing at all the awful things that mark our broken world. We would also find a powerful desire to join the trees and mountains in their shouts for joy. We would pray and sing and read and recite and meditate, but never as a purely solitary act. We would pray with peoples from every tongue, tribe, and nation. We would pray the Psalms with the company of the faithful from every tribe and from all the cultures of the earth. Okay, so to close our time this morning, with that in mind of prayer as this thing that stretches beyond cultures, beyond time. Uh, we want to lead you in a communal prayer. So I'd invite you to stand as we get ready to, to have this communal prayer together. It's from the book called Every Moment Holy. And let me just ask you this real quick. What's the, what's, what are you Chiefs fans going to do whenever they score the winning touchdown? What, what are you going to do in that moment? Yeah. And typically, what do your hands do for a touchdown? Okay, so you can do that. All right. If you want to do this, like it says in 1 Timothy, where he says, I want God's people raising holy hands in prayer, please do that as we pray together.
I'm going to read uh, the parts that say leader, and I would love for you to read the parts that say uh, that are marked by together. So let's start together. Oh, oh Lord, Lord, our, our thoughts, thoughts of you have been, been too small, too few. You are the God of justice, the God of wisdom, the God of mercy, the God of redemption. You are the Lord of love. All of this is true, but our thoughts of you are still too few. For our minds are too small to conceive of them all, let alone to contain them. You were before all things. You created all things, and you all, all things are held together. There is no corner of creation that you will fail to redeem. You are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. O oh, Jesus Christ, our King of everything. Amen.